Welcome to another episode of Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett. Today I have two really interesting people. They are creative both on their own, very multi-creative, and then they collaborate uh, a few different ways, but specifically we're highlighting in today's episode the podcast that they produce together, Rock and Roll Lunch Break. So please enjoy my conversation with Sid Anionis. Ionis is one of my guests, and the other guest is Sid, and they are from Rock and Roll Lunch Break Podcast. So I really wanted to have you guys on. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. This is our uh, this is our first uh, guest spot on another podcast, so we're we're excited. Sweet. Tell us about this podcast and how it came to be. We sort of got the idea from the podcast from listening to WTF a little bit. We just wanted to find a way to reach out to people in a kind of controlled way and to find a place that we could play around creatively um, with a bunch of different ideas because our podcast is sort of a no holds barred kind of creative free for all. Well, we're both creative people who kind of have wheelhouses that uh, dovetail. You know, I'm coming more from the multimedia, film and music side. Sid is, you know, fashion and writing and also music. So I think it was just something where we really wanted to experiment, you know, in a way that like having a band, you're sort of in a mode uh, and you're sticking to kind of a certain point of view that you've kind of chosen for that project and we just for this one we wanted to really allow it to um, evolve naturally and I think we wanted to do like um, radio plays and commercials and stuff because it's something that we hadn't heard on podcasts yeah you know I know there are there's certain you know there's storytelling um, podcasts and things like that but I think the idea of um, doing it more spontaneously where you know, we're coming up with these mini shows and bits, you know, every month we got a new thing going, keeping it eclectic and also um, with our chat segments kind of uh, showing how our creative journey is going and, you know, the things that are inspiring us and, and influencing us at any given time. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that was just so delightful in listening to your first episode sharing the process and then also sharing the projects all in one episode was really, yeah, really nice and different. It felt intimate. I felt like I was hanging out with you guys in your studio. And in the second episode, when your cat is like using the cat litter box (laughs) during the opening, it was just fantastic because I think when I listen to podcasts, I like to be surprised I like to feel like I'm getting to know the people doing them. I enjoy really good sound. I'm kind of turned off by overly produced, really clean Mm. and tight podcasts. Yeah. What you guys have brought is something thoughtful and there's a lot of production around it and your personalities are really coming through. So I'm curious how much conversation the two of you had before getting in front of the mics for the first time, or did you do a bunch of practice recordings or, you know, what was it like leading up to the first episode? When we did the first episode, um, we had tried a few things. I think we tried to record twice before that with varying degrees of success. 
but we really don't talk too much about what we're going to talk about before it happens. Um, the second episode, we had a few notes of points that we wanted to hit, and then we just kind of let it go, let it out into the world and recorded it and hoped for the best. Part of the reason that we decided to do this podcast was really to explore our voices as creative people, like in a very literal sense, to be as present as possible when we're chatting, our personalities coming through. Yeah, it did take a while because at first we were very timid. It's almost like, you know, the first time doing a recital in front of an audience or... First time fucking. That too, you know, <laughs> um, standing on the high dive, all of those things. It took a little bit of um, of courage. You know, I think the first time we tried to record, we, we got a little sloshed, you know, tried to just loosen things up a bit and get it going, but it was wildly unfocused. But yeah, I think, you know, it's just one of those things where when you step out on a journey, it just kind of, it evolves and we're trying to just show what's up, not being too precious when it's not perfect. It's a work in progress. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love it. We're working on sound effects next, getting more um, aggressive with making our own sounds and yeah. maybe having like a keyboard. Like so far, everything that we've done has been with whatever instruments are lying around and whatever stock sounds are in um, the software we're using, which is Logic. You know, we both come from sort of a punk rock background and, you know, DIY is always the thing. So it's like use what you have at your disposal. We do want to keep evolving and, you know, increase our musicianship chops, our singing, our customized with the, the sounds we're using and eventually, you know, hopefully bring in uh, other artists, actors and uh, and musicians who are better than us. And can, yeah. yeah, just can't wait to keep doing it. It's It's been a really cool challenge. What do you feel like is most exciting about getting to work together? Um, have you worked together in, in bands or, or other projects? Briefly, very briefly. Jonas produced two recordings from my previous band and... I don't know. I think we've worked together here and there on yeah, little I, things, but not very much. So yeah. I was excited because I get to work with him and he's so good at the music and the production aspect. It kind of helps me be free to focus on my talent, which is more the writing, producing like narratives and stuff like that, because I was really interested in creative writing all through high school. I, I wrote poetry. I wrote like short stories from the time I was like, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14. And then I kind of I kind of fell out of it. So when we started up the podcast again, it really gave me a chance to work on those things that I'd kind of let go for a while. Also, we both have kind of a gallows humor, like, and it was a great way to sort of indulge that side of us where we like to make each other laugh. And a lot of our ideas kind of spring from some funny thing that one of us says that's good enough to remember and then, <laughs> and then we uh, and then we build on that. Sid is great with narrative and coming up with really interesting unexpected uh, situations and uh, characters. It's been really cool because I'm a big movie nerd. You know, I've done a lot of uh, film work in the past, like comedy shorts and uh, a zombie feature. And this podcast with the storytelling aspect really allows us to do any genre you can imagine because you're only dealing with the sound. 
And uh, so the movie nerd in me is just really excited to be able to dive into, you know, we could be doing a mega blockbuster space adventure, you know, one month. Do a Western or... Yeah, you know, it's just the sky's the limit, different music styles and really also yeah, indulging both of our our tastes and sensibilities and really getting to play around with them. We interrupt vibrant visionaries with a rock and roll lunch break. I want to be up front with you and tell you what exactly I am looking for. This way you have an idea of what I am into. You see, it's not sex in the traditional sense, but more of a fetish. Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy traditional sex, but I've grown to prefer this much more. This fetish is a sitophilia-type fetish. I will give you a short explanation about what led me to discover why I like this type of fetish. You see, when I was a young man and even now, I seem to be judged on my looks and not my personality. So finding women and starting relationships has been harder for me than most. Couple that with a strong sex drive and you get the picture. So I developed this fetish to help me deal with my sexual urges. I found that women tend to like dairy products and settled on cheese to represent the girl. Thus I started having sex with cheese. I like to use Swiss cheese and would wrap slices of the cheese around my... I I do have a tendency to uh, become unfocused or spiral into depression, so we we work well together. No, I love that. I have the same challenges. Part of the working for myself as a coach, part of the transition into doing that was a lot of depression, realizing that I was spending so much time by myself. Mm -hmm. So I really did need to go out there and connect with some of my friends who also run their own businesses so that they were getting together and doing stuff together. Some of it's like talking shop or, you know, kind of helping each other get our get our priorities going. But I do feel like even when I do that, then I go home and feel like, oh, they're going off and doing all of their stuff on their own. And I'm sitting here going like, who's my partner? Who's my teammate? Who's my... <laughs> yeah. So doing the podcast kind of helps helps me feel like you know like right now you guys are my collaborators yes yeah it's great Mm -hmm. it's nice to have someone there cheering you on too because i know that i get discouraged when it's not perfect yeah yeah no i think we all do as creative people you know yeah it's hard not to hit that wall especially like things that i am more insecure about like i love to sing but i'm not technically a good singer so um, when when recording, if I was doing it on my own, it would never happen because I, I would just get so discouraged and I would give up. And, you know, it's always nice because Jonas is there recording going, it's fine, but you can do better. Let's try it again. It actually helps to get a good performance out. Or even when you're reading, like I didn't realize how hard like reading a script was and recording it um, until very recently. That is a whole other challenge. Especially when it's not stuff that you've written yourself. Yeah, but um, one of my most common criticisms, I guess, is uh, less Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I record, he's like, less Canadian. (laughs) 
I think uh, I think over the years from soaking my brain with Americana, I've developed a less Canadian, a less regional accent. Right. Although you did just say Americana instead yeah, of Americana. Americana. Is- <laughs> yeah. And we say pat we say pasta, pasta. Here, which is weird because usually that a is is an American a, but somehow it's been flipped for that word. Right. Yeah, I, I listened to uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself, and those guys are out of Canada, so they have a lot of fun conversations about the way that they say certain words, and then um, and then one of them hilariously goes into his French accent, Canadian oh, French yeah. accent stuff, and that's pretty interesting. So yeah, um, and I mean, there's a lot of trust that goes there. Getting back to what you're saying, Sid, about having somebody that's a partner, a collaborator, somebody that helping you um, by giving you encouragement, but also helping you stretch so that you're they're saying, like you said, oh, that sounded pretty good, but you can do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hugely important. Um, how long have you two been together as a as partners? About, eight years. About eight years. Yeah. Yeah. A while. And we're uh, we're getting married in a month. Yep. Cool. Anything you want to share about what that's going to be like? Is it going to be DIY? Is it? It's pretty DIY. It's going to be in Sid's parents' backyard. It's pretty much DI. Mm-hmm. My mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she has been amazing for this because I I was never one of those people who like dreamed of their weddings. I knew I wanted to be married, but I I never had any idea what I wanted to do for it. So we've decided to do like just a simple backyard ceremony. Yeah, twenty five people. People, uh, the family's pitching in to bring food, and my mom's partner is doing the barbecue. And yeah, it's just it's just going to be a fun little event with uh, sort of the closest friends and family. Yeah, it's not too fancy, and it's just my of, outfit's fancy. Mm. You know, we're we're gonna look good. Yeah, look- <laughs> yeah. My fashion side really kicked in when it came to this wedding. Like, I had my dress like I think a month after we announced that we were getting married. We decided to get married because Sid had found some awesome, <laughs> some awesome matching uh, rings on discount on the internet. Alexander McQueen, um, yeah. King and Queen skull rings. Oh my god, I love it. Gorgeous. <laughs> I, we were talking about it, and I was like, actually, I found these really cool rings. Oh, shit, we can afford these. Y- you want to get married? <laughs> that was literally like almost verbatim the proposal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, it's been cool because the podcast has kind of coincided with... Getting our shit together. (laughs) Yeah, getting our life together. And and really, this whole eight years has been a a process of us trying to better ourselves and get to a place where we can really thrive and, you know, sort of explore creatively and, you know, trying to get away from toxic uh, social situations and uh, behaviors and behaviors and focusing on what's actually important to us, um, which is um, being silly and um, making stuff. Yeah. So Jonas and I 
when we first met, we did a little coaching for a few months. And as in with all my clients, we always start out with the things that you value, you know, talk about what your values are. That can be one of the things that helps with some of that decision making. And hearing you guys both talk about steering clear of toxic situations or people and doing things to better yourselves, if there's certain values or certain guiding principles or either on one side give you pause like, oh, this is a red flag or something that gives you the go ahead, whether it's a project or somebody that you want to hang out with. I think um, for me, the canary in the coal mine is always my health. Just to mention briefly, um, I have some, I have some autoimmune issues that are compounded by stress. If it doesn't feel good physically, then I know that that's something that I absolutely have to change. But I think the core value for me was to find a way to live that I felt comfortable and, you know, more or less happy. Like I don't, I'm not one of those people who wants to be happy all the time, but I, happiness and, you know, finding joy was always very top of the list for me. Also for me, having collaborated with people where the, the goal was not necessarily the work itself, but where is the work going to take us and how can we force people to pay attention? I think now that has changed a lot to, is it enjoyable to do? Is it, you know, is it feeding your, your creative soul or it, does it feel more obligatory? I think it's, we're just getting a lot more selective and making sure that the things that we're putting time into are things that we actually want to do. Our life has gotten a lot smaller and more manageable in the past few years because we moved. We met in a town called Barrie, which is um, about an hour's drive north of Toronto, which is where we live now. And um, since moving down here, you know, we've really focused in on on ourselves. And I think starting this podcast is sort of our jumping off point to reaching out into the world again. And I think we've spent a lot of time just trying to get to a relatively balanced place together. <clears throat> now we're kind of ready to start a dialogue with the rest of the world again. Because <laughs> we haven't done a lot of going out or anything. It's mostly no. been trying to, you know, find work that allows us to still be creative and also pays the bills and and yeah working on physical health and mental health and all that good stuff yeah, yeah. there was a lot of self-care going on for about two years i think yeah um very heavily just taking care of our business yeah i i like that it, we're dipping our toe into the world of being social and you know reaching out to people that was a big goal for me with this podcast because I'm pretty shy in social situations to the point of being sort of terrified. So being able to reach out in a, in a semi-controlled environment, it's a nice way to get started. Yeah. And I think also, you know, both of us had, had spent a lot of time in like in rock clubs socializing in that environment. And, you know, there's a very specific kind of interaction that you have in that setting, talking over music, making vapid jokes. I yeah. mean, you know, it can be fun as well, but I mean. I think at the bar, it's just a lot of small talk and a lot of surface interaction without really, you know, getting in depth with people, which is what I actually, when I do hang out with people, what I enjoy. Smaller situations where you actually are able to get to know people 
hear what they're thinking about, about different things mm-hmm. and their creative endeavors or. Yeah. And that's something that down the line we'll be bringing in more. You know, there are a lot of really interesting people that we've met through creativity, but uh, a lot of these people who <clears throat> I hold quite dear, I actually don't really know that well. And so we're looking forward to in the future, you know, bringing some of those people in and getting to to chat with them and pick their brain, you know, in the similar way of what you're doing with, uh, with this podcast. And, you know, it's exciting because I really love that stuff talking about creative process and and where people are coming from i just i i would love to get to that point where you can really put people at ease enough that they're willing to talk about the things that are really important to them because i think that's the most fascinating thing about people is what is important to them absolutely I'm not going to say what's important to you because that would be so on the note. But I would like to circle back to the two years of deep self-care. Any of that that you would like to share, Sid, I'd love to know what things you do or have done that have been your self-care. Uh, I was drinking a lot to um, sort of self-medicate for a lot of mental illness issues. I had to really take a long, hard look at that because I also have uh, like physical health issues and a lot of um, invisible illness. I had colitis in my upper and lower intestine because I'm lucky and I'm weird. (laughs) Usually it's just one. But um, I had that. I have celiac disease and um, autoimmune issue, which is sort of ambiguous. It is a prevailing issue. And then on top of that, I have issues with anxiety and depression. And um, it got rough for a long for a while before I started to just isolate myself because I needed to really um, take care of the issues. Because when I was more social, I was really drinking a lot to cover up how afraid I was in social situations. So I stopped drinking, worked on getting to the bottom of that by myself. Now I'm actually taking a class in Toronto. It's a DBT group. It's like cognitive therapy. It helps you examine the negative patterns in your brain and gives you positive solutions for how to deal with things like anxiety and depression. It really makes you take a strong, strong look at um, how you react in different situations and um, whether your reactions are positive or negative and how to basically be a better person uh, to yourself and to others. Um, I took a short course of that and it it helped so much. So I'm really, I just started my 20 week program and I'm really, really excited about it because I think that being able to examine those things is so important and it's changed my life a lot. Letting other people know too that there's programs or systems or there are ways that you can assess and look at what these challenges are. Yeah. Ways to experiment with them and switch around your mindset or at least be more open to what's going on and, and observe it and realize how much power you have to change things on your own can be so empowering. Just knowing that you are doing it for yourself, I think, can lift yeah. your spirit and lift your sense of self-worth yeah. and self-love and all that stuff when you know, oh, instead of drinking, I'm going to take a different tack and, and see what happens here. One of my goals as an example of what you're saying is um, to not lean so hard on substances. So I have I have a sheet that I have to check off every day. Am I leaning on substances like food or alcohol or cigarettes instead of dealing with my emotions? And I have to examine that every day and rate myself. So being cognizant of that. And I honestly think just, yeah, like what you said, um, 
knowing that I, I'm going out and I'm doing this for myself has helped me feel like I'm growing and a bit better about things because I'm being proactive instead of being uh, powerless. And I think um, the stigma against mental illness is so bad right now that um, just even saying it out loud and letting people know that there are programs out there, I think it's really helpful. I think all of us are, are dealing with, you know, what could be called mental illness to, to varying degrees, especially with just the the pressures of, you know, the sort of technological globalization that we're all a part of now, which is so fantastic in so many ways, but can also be kind of crushing in other ways. You know, I mean, we've seen what kind of space a place like Facebook has turned into. Yeah. And um, right. I think also both of us, you know, we'd been on social media a lot promoting bands and stuff like that and had felt kind of drained by that whole experience. And I think this phase for us has also been, I think it's sort of a, a turning point that happens in a lot of punk rockers lives where, you know, you start off, you know, when you're young, the easiest thing to express is anger and confusion and, you know, loud, uh, angry music is, is great for that kind of outlet. But I think, you know, now we're at a place, you know, rock and roll lunch break is all about what we love. Um, there's so much content out there about what's wrong with the world and whose opinions are bad and, and whatnot. And we just wanted to pour all of our creative love into this and, you know, try to be sort of, you know, a beacon of, of what's good about human life. You know, it's, it can be a very polar existence, but we wanted this place to be a space of not being afraid to just be joyful and love things and geek out, not be self-conscious about whether you're cool or not. Um, <laughs> you can't see, you know, what we're wearing or whether we're having a good hair day or not, but we're just, right. we're just having fun <laughs> and, uh, and wanting to share our, our enthusiasm. We interrupt vibrant visionaries with a rock and roll lunch break. From an unused manuscript by Flannery O'Connor's second cousin's podiatrist comes a ghostly tale of erotic devotion set against the soggy vistas of the deep south. A well-to-do gentleman meets a wayward, wettish, spectral beauty. Who's there? It's just little old me. What devilry is this? I sure do like your backside. I saw you in the tub. Whose scorching passion breaks all taboos and will leave you slimy and breathless. Come here, you handsome beast of a man. Starring the ravishing ingenue Sophia Horan as the alluring apparition Prudence. I seem to have a bind in my britches. Let me help you with that and featuring the scintillating talents of Oscar nomination nominee Dick White as Floratio Conwood, whose misogynistic magnetism lights up the screen. If you don't love me right now on this veranda, I'll send for the exorcist. You wouldn't know love if it took you from behind. A love as timeless as it was logistically improbable. But how will we consummate this marriage? Ask the devil with a surprise ending that will ravish your preconceptions of ectoplasmic romance. I now pronounce you man inspector. You may attempt to kiss the apparition. Paramore Pictures presents Ambrosia Heights. 
Ambrosia Heights, coming to theaters near you. You both have great senses of humor and you really bring that into the podcast. And I feel like more than ever being drawn to people who, I mean, I've always been drawn. That's always been a high value of mine is just silliness and goofiness and absurdity and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But I think that is another thing that can get lost when you're, you know, being young and punk or young and cool, yes. yeah. and you just, you know, like. But even back then, I mean, my, some of my favorite bands that I was into back in the '70s and '80s and yeah. '90s yeah. and etc. The ones I liked the most really did have a good sense of humor and weren't afraid to laugh at themselves. Absolutely. Or also to share their influences. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. would get irritated with people who only liked, you know, certain types of music. And yeah. I think like, yeah, but the band you're talking about, they have tons of influences. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad you brought that. Up. Yeah, it's an interesting time. And like you said, like in a way right now, I love how many people I've connected with on the internet through doing podcasting and and finding friends in different podcast communities like the Lady Pod Squad is a whole community of women and non-binary folk who get together and support each other and you know retweet and mm-hmm give uh, reviews, positive reviews and, and join each other, you know, as as guests on each other's podcasts. And then the movies by minutes group that I'm part of from doing Cabin Minute Cast and Spinal Tap Minute. Mm. It's been a really fun, positive group. But then also <laughs> <laughs> there's just a bunch of toxic bullshit out there, too. And so it takes a ton of, of mindfulness. It does. You really have to knuckle down to it or just keep practicing it with which yeah, it's yeah. Is similar to that noting what it is you consumed that day and how it may have affected your mood or yeah. or whatever. It's, it's the same whether it's food or alcohol or drugs or too much Amazon shopping, true crime TV. <laughs> yeah, shopping's a bad vice for me. <laughs> oh my god, I hear you. Yeah. I don't know. I I think right now it just one of the biggest things it concerns for me and values. I think is um putting something out there that's laughing at the darkness yeah either inside or in the world and I think that that black kind of humor comes out in our podcast all the time because I'm always trying to make things so dark yeah and I always appreciate (laughs) the the darker it gets because it'll it'll go down and then if we'll get too far (laughs) to pull it back out (laughs) to make it funny again but um yeah I I think that's so important right now and I think that it's it's nourishing to remember that you can laugh at it absolutely yeah totally and then you know as you put out your podcast and more people discover it you're really finding more of your like-minded people because you're being so much yourselves and pouring so much of your personality and your creativity and your your sense of humor into it then the folks that resonate with that are just gonna you know flock to it yeah and i think uh you know one of the the things that i've observed in looking at other artists careers is I find it really sad. There are certain creators out there who have been very successful in a certain field, but maybe might have um, come across it, you know, through having like a sort of a cynical idea of like, let's ride this trend. And then all of a sudden they're saddled with an audience that they don't identify with. (laughs) Totally. 
my metal band is on hiatus now. You know, I'm a very, I'm an eclectic person. I love everything from, you know, song and dance musicals to folk music, everything under the sun. You know, I've got my favorites in, in every kind of subgenre or area. I Doing that band, you know, is in a very specific world and a world that's kind of restrictive and insular and uh, there's... V- People are very self-conscious that they don't appear to be outside of uh, outside of the tribe, and um, so this has been very liberating, you know, to be able to be doing punk rock and then be doing, a, you know, a Gilbert and Sullivan thing and then be doing reggae or whatever it may be, you know, yeah. and uh, so it's it's super exciting, and I, I've really enjoyed sort of flexing my music creativity in, in ways that you know, I never had uh, an outlet for, you know, because uh, being in a band, it's just you're, you're kind of doing a thing, you know? Right. Yeah, I've been in quite a few different bands and and um, led a few and co-led a few. And that's actually, I think, been one of the struggles of that has been, uh, for me, either deciding who's running the show (laughs) (laughs) or what direction we're going in, you know, and realizing that we had um, different goals with what our project was. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like to work with teams as a coach now and help teams and bands and stuff like start out with conversations about where they want to go. And it's not that you're going to be able to predict where the band might evolve to, but at least to get an idea of how often you're available for practice, how many, you know, what types of clubs you want to get into. Are you wanting to record? Um, who's writing? Who's singing? Who's That's really valuable. I think that's great. I think it's great that you're doing that because having been around a zillion bands that's a stumbling point yeah communication is you know if you can get clear communication and get everyone's uh, values and desires out of the way up front i think i think that's a really great thing to do and you are fantastic at sort of helping uh, you know, clarify those things. Cause you know, when I came to you for coaching, uh, you know, it was sort of at a turning point for me and just being able to talk it out and really understand why I'm doing it and what I want to get out of it. It was extremely helpful. So kudos. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of bands will definitely uh, get a lot out of that. You don't get a manual, you know, like that says yeah. <laughs> how, to, how to start or join a band and communicate and to even know what it is that you would want to ask so yeah and just yeah it doesn't waste everybody's time as much you know oh for real you know yeah because you might get uh, three different people one of them wants to be you know the next justin bieber the other one just wants to not be bored until he gets through plumbing school and the other guy you know just wants to get laid and you know (laughs) and then you might be doing this for 10 years and then it all falls apart and you wonder what happened you know (laughs) we could have you know nipped that in the bud at the beginning yeah yeah totally totally i'd love to know a little bit more about each one of you individually like what different projects you're doing so we know you're doing the podcast together what other things are you doing um Ionis and then Sid well besides uh, the podcast I'm uh, I'm working on a, a punk band with a buddy of mine Ian Taylor who's um 
who's the vocalist from a, an old school hardcore band called the Groggies from my old hometown of Barrie. And we had played a lot of shows together. And also uh, Sid's band has played with him a bunch. So he's a mutual friend of ours. We've always um, had sort of similar or dovetailing tastes in uh, in vintage punk rock. Mm-hmm. 20th century punk rock, if you will. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was sort of one of those things where we'd always we'd always talked about, oh, it'd be great to do a side project or something. But it was one of those things where there were always other things at the forefront for both of us. And um, just sort of at the beginning of the year, it finally came together, and we've got uh, the better part of a record written and demoed. And once uh, the wedding and the honeymoon week is out of the way, um, we are going to get back into that and work on finishing that album. It's kind of a a nice like return to my adolescent musical self and um, with the fullness of time, make better punk music than I did when I was a teenager. <laughs> what do you play or, or do you sing or what? what? I, um, well, Ian's doing the vocals and I'm writing the music. I'm sort of writing the, the rhythms and stuff. We don't have a drummer yet, but uh, I've just demoed the drums using synth drums. My bassist from my metal band, Sardu, uh, sorry, he's the drummer in Sardu. And he is going to be the bassist in this band, Matt Thompson. He's a fantastic musician. Sid will probably do some backup vocals. And we're thinking maybe being sort of a Flava Flav on stage for us, kind of a hype man, uh, getting some backup <laughs> vocals and getting the crowd into it. I love it. It's sort of going to be a bit of a, an all-star group, a bunch of 30-something yes. uh, punks <laughs> from the uh, Barry music scene. And then other than that, really focusing on the podcast, it takes up a lot of time, you know, Yeah, uh, we both work full time. And so, um, you know, from fleshing these ideas out from the ground up to coming out with a full production at the end of each month, uh, it's got us pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you on that. Totally. This one's taking way longer than I ever imagined. And I'm not doing nearly what you guys <laughs> are putting into yours. <laughs> also, I can't believe you just Related me to Flava Flav, you monster. <laughs> he knows what time it is. Flava. I never know what time it is. Well, maybe you can learn from him then. Maybe he is a good role model after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sid, <laughs> what other things are you doing? I know you're involved in fashion. Well, why don't you tell me? Um, so right now I'm trying to get more involved in uh, starting my own fashion label. It's so hard. <laughs> I've been trying to get this off the ground for a while and it's taken longer than I ever would have imagined, but it's all fun. So it's all good. My focus is to make non-binary or gender, non-gender restrictive clothing and jewelry. I do I do hand beaded necklaces with like the little knots like pearl necklaces, mm -hmm. taking old clothes and putting a twist on them, doing some hand embroidery. I have a degree in pattern drafting, so I'm hoping to start applying that to my work as well. But I mean, it's all it's all such a big process that um, we're lifting it off the ground slowly but surely. And I've also been... Um, edging my way towards performing again, because I do love to perform. I've done it since I was a kid. 
Um, I was in ballet from probably the age four to about 16. And I, I love being on the stage. I love performing. When I was in a band, it was super fun. But I'm thinking about getting into the world of drag monsters. Um, I don't know if you've seen the show Dragula, but kind of that. I haven't. Can you explain a little bit more about what that means? It's an alternative style of drag. Yeah. So it brings in like horror elements. Uh, horror. Yeah. The the show's uh, tagline is like horror, glamour, filth, and I can't remember what the last one is. Neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> Me or my split personality can't figure it out. It's almost like it's basically yeah. a bit bizarro world. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, where there's you know there's punk rock elements, there's goth elements, there's horror cinema elements. There's yeah. it's more of, and it's also open to you know gender queer people. It's not just you know I guess it's not just dressed as a girl. Yeah, I'd love to be educated and share with anybody else whatever uh -huh. you feel like sharing on this. When you're doing drag, does it always entail? taking on a persona of a character and outsizing that, you know, doing it big and bold. And when you're playing with gender and experimenting with, like you said, horror mm -hmm. and all this other fun out there stuff, what part of it makes it drag? Well, drag originally was like a Shakespearean term just used as dressed as a girl mm -hmm. because they didn't have female actors. So for me, the way I'm doing it, I am uh, I was wrestling with that because I'm not always going to be dressed as a girl because that's not really where I identify. So I, I've sort of changed it into drat, which is dressed as a thing mm -hmm. because I, I'm non-binary. So I'm kind of in between the genders and I'm something else. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I'm using I want to use sort of the idea of drag as um, glorifying who I am and allowing the big personality that I know is inside me out to play and entertain people um, through like song and dance, artistry and makeup and fashion. And that that's really my goal with it. I did hesitate to bring that up because I, I'm not quite fully formed i'm still a little drag fetus or drat fetus as the case may be yeah it's definitely something that i'm moving towards doing and i don't know i lost myself <laughs> no that's fine i think you did a fantastic job of describing where you're at right now with it mm -hmm. and I will enjoy seeing wherever you decide to to take it. And I look forward to also kind of investigating this genre because it's not something I'm that familiar with. I have friends who do drag. I have, um, you know, watched RuPaul's Drag Race and really enjoyed it. And part of watching it for me was actually a challenge to myself because I enjoyed the theatricality and... I also, I have an aversion to like sort of clowny things. So when people are a little more on that clowny bent and uh, I, I would get sort of afraid, like <laughs> within my <laughs> physical self, like, ah, that's too much. And I just wanted to challenge myself to like view things that I didn't think 
So you're not a big uh, Trixie Mattel fan? <laughs> Actually, and I love Trixie Mattel because I watched that show yeah. and I got, you know, part of the reason to watch something that makes you uncomfortable is to get to know and feel more compassionate and empathetic towards people because you go, oh, that's a person too. I'm getting to know their personality yeah. and, and who they are outside of their makeup. But also to understand there's just certain aesthetic choices that I'm going to be more that I'm attracted to yeah. more than other people's. But I think because Trixie is so retro yeah. and sort of probably a little bit closer to my age, like there's a connection made there in that silly, fun, retro way mm. that Trixie does. Trixie mm. does. <laughs> but yeah, it made me feel like I understood more about one of my other friends who I went to high school with and I he's performed drag for years and I just um I'm I mean everybody has their own individual story and connection to it but I felt like I now I understand him a little bit better just because I watched you know all those seasons mm -hmm. yeah and I think there's something about um when you see the makeup off it takes away some of the fear, especially if it's that that like almost like fear of like, I don't want to say clowns, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> Bianca Del Rio is the first to admit <laughs> that, it, that it is clownish. But, you know, like it's once you strip it down to what's behind that and the motivations, I think it becomes uh, it becomes a lot more accessible to a lot of people. And I think that that's really great because I think um, for me, like seeing that show was a big part of me coming out as non-binary because I always felt um, a little out of place presenting as a as a girl. I really felt like basically what I was doing presenting it as a girl was like kind of a sad drag mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. And I think when I when I turned it up, it got very drag queen very fast when I was trying to get dressed up. So like, do you mean like femming out, like dressing really yeah, feminine? Yeah, it felt more like drag than it did like, oh, I'm I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm impersonating a woman <laughs> for whatever reason. Like I go out and, you know, put on a short skirt and a bunch, like a bunch of makeup. Um, and I just smear it all over my face and be like, all right, I'm I'm a girl now. Sure. Why not? <laughs> and I go out. <laughs> and that that was my girl's night, like armor outfit thing. It always felt like it always felt a little sarcastic. <laughs> Mm, yeah. And so what was it watching the show that helped you sort of connect with what felt more natural and real to you? Um, I think it was the idea that gender was a lot more of a spectrum. And um, like, I, I would watch the drag queens in their full regalia and just cry and be like, I want to embrace that aspect of myself of like, when I go out and when I like, put on the full boobs and like that that's that's drag for me it kind of helped me explore the other side which is then what's what's my what's my natural state I guess and that and that's something that I'm I'm still working on and part of um, why I'm trying to uh, get into fashion and get into um, more non-gender specific clothing because because that's sort of how I feel I, I I'm happiest when people are confused <laughs> With, with my gender I love it that took a long time to get to but it, it feels much better now it was pretty it was pretty big for me as well because um I've always you know I was <clears throat> I was raised by a, a lot of women and uh I've always 
you know, appreciated my own feminine side, but also have always been a little bit restrained about expressing it. And I think it was just really liberating to see people just being uh, just loudly themselves, you know, like as a teenager or like, I guess it was probably like late teens, you know, the first time I saw Hedvig and the Angry Inch, Mm -hmm. it was like a total life-changing revelation and it I felt like you know this is like this is real expression and this is you know this is real rock and roll and living the dream you know what I mean you know and also being with Sid and uh, you know sharing a lot about how we see ourselves and and how we present ourselves it's it's been a really cool um, exploration and I'm feeling you know now a lot more pleased about um you know, expressing all sides of, of, you know, my personality and, um, you know, especially being in a pretty testosterone laden metal band for a long time, I'd gotten a little bit tired of, you know, strutting around all macho, and, <laughs> uh, you know, it's been nice to, you know, like hang out and, uh, you know, we've done, you know, drag face on each other and yeah, he makes a hot know. woman. Let me tell you. I am sure he does. I clean, I clean up pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> it's the lips. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, you know, Rocky Horror, that was sort of my intro in, you know, yeah. earlier, you know, way back and just seeing mm-hmm. that sexiness and gorgeousness and beauty and, you know, a really hot guy in his um, fishnets and heels and everything and going like, Ooh, this is something I didn't know existed in my, you know, (laughs) like world. And it was just that don't dream it, be it, you know, all the music and everything Mm -hmm. when I was young was like the way for me to kind of understand and explore all of that kind of stuff. And it was very exciting. Yeah. And, and we're starting to, dip into that too because our our next two episodes are two-part uh rock opera yeah and um so it's it's bringing all that stuff in you know like we're both big Hedwig fans and we both also love a lot of musicals or music related films and things like that yeah if it's got a good soundtrack and it's about um being musical i'm into it like all the bob fossey stuff except for maybe all that jazz is kind of terrible (laughs) (laughs) i feel like there's chunks of all that jazz that i like yeah you know yeah there, there are chunks of it but then there's chunks of it that you're just like oh my god but we yeah we just watched sweet charity recently that was so so cool did you guys hear that there's going to be a this is i'm google fooing here you heard a google eh there's gonna be a bob fossey okay they're calling it a limited series on fox oh okay Mm -hmm. so sam rockwell is gonna play bob fossey michelle williams will be his partner gwen verdon oh wow oh that's gonna be good i'm in love with sam rockwell i think i did read something about that i want him to have my babies So, yeah, we have that to look forward to. What other um, musicals do you guys like or are you inspired by? Um, One that we recently watched. Have you ever seen Shock Treatment? You know, I don't think I ever have. You should definitely watch that because it's the unofficial sequel to Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror, right. There's, There's a lot of overlap. 
and it's like set in the same town and things like that. Yeah, Brad and Janet are back. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one's really good. I'm like looking at my shelf to see like what I can see. Um, things like Frank was a big, I listened to that soundtrack a lot after I saw mm-hmm. it. Cabaret was a life-changing experience for me. Joel Gray and that. Oh, me too. Freaking movie. Me too. <laughs> I would kill to be the MC in a production of Cabaret. We actually went and saw it live in Toronto and it was awesome yeah it was a really cool it was a it was like a very intimate theater and it was really cool to see that kind of uh big and bright musical um sort of right in front of your face mm-hmm. and they did a really good job best little whorehouse in texas yeah that's dolly i don't think i've ever seen that either i gotta get on it we're gonna we're gonna send you away with like a, a musical to watch list. Yes, good, Trixie good. Mattel would be very upset with you that you yes. hadn't seen Vessel Horrors. <laughs> um, that one's amazing. It's so much fun. One of the ones that really started getting me obsessed with wanting to do kind of rock opera stuff was Phantom of the Paradise. I had a feeling that was the one you were gonna <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah, it. Um, so I don't good. know. I love I love the songs in it. I love a good you know phantom of the opera um adaptation like i love what they did with it and it's got all that great 70s glam rock stuff you know loud guitars and sappy piano ballads and nasal vocals i love it all (laughs) oh my god it's so good it's so good yeah what i was gonna say is that, that when you're talking earlier about getting together with people in a smaller group or you know in a more intimate setting to talk Mm -hmm. rather than having um you know being at a rock rock club where things are loud and maybe everybody's kind of half in the bag and you're doing the small talk is that cabaret and these performing something small and intimate in a club or collaborating with people in doing something like a rock opera to me sounds so much more appealing now than back when I was, you know, just going to the club all the time. And absolutely. And so I don't know, I'm feeling like this correlation of putting together a rock opera and this, the intimacy of having good conversations with people and being with them rather than just drunkenly you know yeah. bumping into each yeah. other at a club and uh yeah I, I i wanted to make reference um to uh your first episode um can you remind me the name of your guest from uh oh yeah donald Bell. yeah and he was talking about also like the the rock club slog and sort of the formula of these kinds of events and can totally uh empathize with that so yeah i think in the future you know, as an offshoot of the of the lunch break podcast, be looking into curating more cabaret style events or more theatrical types of things. And I think that would be a lot more exciting to us mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I'm so down for that. Like, I'm ready to to fly over and be a part of it. Heck with you yes. guys. I think that would be so fun. And yeah, well, um, I mean, we uh, we'll definitely. I'm sure that uh, we'll we'll be collaborating with you down the road musically as well because i definitely uh i'd love to do that yeah that'd be rad that'd be super rad before we wrap up today i wanted to thank both of you for just all of your candidness and and just letting it all hang out i really appreciate it it's 
definitely just what I was thinking about when I was thinking about doing this podcast that I wanted to talk with creatives and really talk about our real lives, you know, whether it's all of the stuff, you know, the fun of the creativity and the struggle with the way our brains and bodies work. I mean, it's all real shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we all have a story to tell. And the more we tell our stories, the more other people connect to us because we all have our different proclivities and challenges and things to celebrate. And I appreciate that you both are dedicated to putting some joy and creative weirdness out there for the rest of us to enjoy. Oh my God, it's our pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. It's, it's been really sweet. Uh, what are the best links for people to follow through when I put them on the show notes? You can uh, search for Rock and Roll Lunch Break uh, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, uh, namely Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, for our socials, everything is at RNRLB podcast. So um, that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Sweet. Well, thanks again to both of you. And I'll remind everybody you can find us equally on all of those places, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, uh, Vibrant Visionaries, you can go right to our website, which is vibrantvisionaries.com. And through that, you can find the social links and also different ways to subscribe or listen right there on the website. So try to make it as simple and easy as possible. If you're feeling like you're wanting to spend a little time letting other people know about the podcast, I always appreciate a retweet. Or if you just want to, you know, send a link on to a friend, maybe another creative person that you know that you think might enjoy this that uh really helps out the audience can grow and you know we could just make this creative conversation even wider throughout the the whole land <laughs> <laughs> like that's 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 the good thing about this right like we're, we've got the internet let's use it for good Let's connect with our other weirdos. Uh, yeah. And then I also have a Patreon there. So the Patreon is set up to support the podcast. And that helps me keep this thing going. It actually supports me financially as an independent business owner. And you get to be part of the social club. So come in and be part of the Vibrant Visionaries community and I'll be there to help support you with your projects and everything. So it's kind of like getting a multi-creative coach for $3 a month in a way because I'm on there and I'm sharing. Take advantage of this, people. Yes. Heidi, Heidi is good at her job. Thank you so much. So yeah, I really wanted to create something that not only could support the podcast, but actually would be, you know, supporting all of us as multi-creatives where we can go in there and, and uh, be each other's uh, Flava Flav. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Sweet <laughs> yeah, we're on Patreon too. So we'll, we'll be, we'll see you on, on there as well. Sounds good. <laughs> Okay, everybody, we'll see you next time on Vibrant Visionaries. Ciao. Bye. Bye.